0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: That's a scary thought to me, that all that all the God's doing to draw people, woo them by his spirit, there's a point where God says, okay, you don't want me. You don't have to. You can keep what you got. None of us ever wants to get there. I don't want to get there. I mean, I'm a believer already, so that's a wrap. But even as a Christian, Christians get disobedient too. And Christians get dull of hearing too. And we stop listening for a while too. We don't wanna do that. We wanna wanna maintain a sweet sensitivity
0: to the Lord. In today's message, Pastor Bill will share with you about listening to what the Lord has to say and obeying it. Some people have some misconceptions about what it means to hear from God. Maybe when you think of hearing from God, you think of the audible voice of God. This isn't usually God's main method of communication. God can speak to his children in many ways, through song, scripture, other people, and situations. God will get your attention, and it's time to listen. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, as he continues his message, the Church of Thyatira.
1: I want you to consider, married people, that your husband or your wife comes home and they have a gift for you. it's It's a good gift. I mean, in this box... They have paid close attention to all the things that you have hinted at and spoke about. And they have they have a box with all these things that you're like, that's all the stuff I want. My favorite this, my favorite that, and I mean, this is a great gift. But as they present the gift, they say, "But I've been unfaithful." Does that gift become irrelevant immediately? Because you know, I'm now here's the thing: if you if we if we have a good marriage and you're faithful and I get the gift, I'm like, yes, this is awesome. You wonderful, smooch, smooch, hallelujah, right? But if you give me that gift and say, "But I've been unfaithful to the marriage." I don't care about that stupid box. I've been kicked the box, broke the stuff, and you know it's irrelevant now, right? That's what Jesus is saying. I don't care about all your service and your. I mean, that stuff's great if you were walking with me, but while I don't really have you, I don't care about you. Can't do enough to appease me if I don't really have what I want in relationship with you. And so we want to be careful not to offer God the sacrifice or the service without really giving ourselves to the Lord. Amen? It's more important, if you're in this room and you're not saved, I would tell you, don't give, don't do something, don't serve, don't help. Give your life to Christ. That's more important than—he would—that's what he—that's that's the first order of business for us, that we would get born again, that we receive his sacrifice for our sins. That is more important than anything you think you could offer or to give. Now, when you get saved and you're born again and you're and forgiven, now— God said, man, flourish in service. Grow in your ability to, to serve the Lord and be used for the Lord. So we don't want to add good works to a rebellious life. We want to add our good works to a surrendered life. Amen? If you're writing notes, write down 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7 to us real quick. Um, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, it tells us, Things that we can add to our faith that we might be fruitful in our knowledge of God. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, it says, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, kindness, I'm sorry, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to do. I don't want to be barren or unfruitful. I want to be fruitful in my relationship and my knowledge of God. And so, he just add those things to your faith. Um, that you know we need to believe, and then our lifestyle should also be moving with that. So, moving on now. Um, look at what look at the rest of verse twenty. He says nevertheless. I have a few things against you and he's going to get ready to list the issues. And this is where the you know the commendations end and now the the things that God is condemning. What is this church doing that's so wrong? What are, what is the, what are they doing that God has a problem with? It's a few things. First he says, "Because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality." And to eat things sacrificed by idols. So, in this church in Thyatira, I don't, I don't know that there was actually a woman named Jezebel. But there's a self, there's a woman in this church that's a self-proclaimed prophetess. If you guys are unfamiliar with the story in the in, in Kings, there was a wicked woman. Her name was Jezebel. Everybody heard. We all we we know the name is negative, right? Ain't nobody here gonna have a daughter and name her Jezebel. I hope. I would I would strongly discourage you if you let me know ahead of time. Don't do it. It'd be like naming a boy Hitler. Um, you know we wouldn't name a girl Jezebel. So the Jezebel of the Old Testament was uh, a wicked woman. Um, she tried to use her marriage and her relationship to get things that she wanted. She tried to seduce God's people to into the worship of Baal. And God calls this woman here Jezebel. Um, it says that what she's doing. Uh, she says she calls herself a prophetess. So that's how we know she's a self-proclaimed prophetess. Um, she's not truly a prophet. There were women in the New Testament that were actually prophets. Um, there was a woman named Anna who was a prophet. Um, the Philip in the book of Acts, Philip, it says, had four virgin daughters who all prophesied. And I've always thought that that was really cool. There'd be four sisters that all could prophesy, that they could they could like tell each other like if they start dating a guy, they're like, Mm-mm, I'm prophesying that he's not going to be faithful. I like, I prophesy that one right there has got a good job, a good future, a faithful. You know, they can they can help each other out with that gift. You know, um, but they're so there are legitimate women prophets, not this woman. She's a false prophet. She's a self-proclaimed prophet. And notice what she's using her fraudulent gift to do to seduce God's people to. Um, God said you to teach and to seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. So we believe there is a woman in this church that was falsely prophesying that people would be okay with things. Can I tell you guys that I see this today? Um, I was listening to a radio program. There's a pastor in Compton um, of a church and on the radio, this guy, pastor of a church, he's telling people that it is. It is um, he said it, it is okay for couples that are not married, they should live together and they should sleep together. So someone called in and said, but the Bible says that's fornication. And this is what he said, pastor of the church. He said the woman is saying this is what the Bible says. He said that is old and archaic. Like that's that's not for today. Um, that you know, that's that's old school. That's how that's how your grandma came up, but that's not how it's supposed to be today. Pastor of a church. Like, you know, I, I believe that he's in huge, cause now imagine this. Imagine if someone goes to his church and they believe that he's correct. And they live in obedience to his. Well, the Bible says no fornicator will inherit the kingdom. So anybody living in habitual fornication, they, they're, he's messing them up and they're walking their relationship with the Lord. Um now God says that this Jezebel woman is doing that. Can I tell you how this relates to the Catholic Church? Um, it does in this way. The Roman Catholic Church, if you guys remember, it was a it was an unholy marriage between the church and Roman government. Um, and I think that's why the the name of Thyatira, It's a it's a it it, it, they, they, it was an unnatural marriage that came. Uh, they came together. They tried to marriage marry the church and the state together for political reasons, and so. The priests would allow this. If you were part of the church, let's say you were getting ready to go to Vegas. Everybody knows what you do in Vegas. Not what y'all do. I know y'all worship in Vegas, but but then what other people do in Vegas, right? You could go to the church if you had enough money and you could say to to the priest, I'm getting ready to go to Vegas. I'll be there Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm doing everything. Uh, And you could do something. You could pay in advance. Something called indulgences. Have you guys heard of that? You could pay in advance for the time you were going to have and go guilt-free to Vegas and do your thing and know that I am good with God because I paid for it before I went. Now, is, is this individual really okay with God? i have been lied to. The Catholic Church is $500 richer, but this person is not okay with God. That was a regular practice. That is seducing God's people. Because the fact that they were coming said that they care. There was something of conscience that said, I I know I can't just go do this, but to be misled or misdirected to think you can buy your way into, you you could pay in advance for sin. That was a regular thing that would take place. God said to them, this is what this woman was doing here in the church of Thyatira. And obviously God is not okay with this. They're seducing, he says, my servants. You're lying to my people, misleading my people. So Here's something I want you to all consider. What a dangerous and scary thing it is to mislead God's people. That's not what you want to do, right? Nobody here, we don't want to be misled and we don't want to be misleading. What's my safety net from being misled or being misleading is to know the Bible. Spend time in God's Word, Spend time with God. There's something, even, even if you don't know much Bible, can I, I believe the Holy Spirit will protect you. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is the reason, he says he's to guide you into all truth. And so, you know, as a new believer, I got brought into a, a Bible study that was a cult. Um, I didn't know it was a cult, I didn't know John three sixteen by heart, but I sat in that Bible study and it just rubbed me wrong. I was like, I don't think they, I don't like how they did that, you know? It rubbed, it bothered me, it bothered me enough to where when they left, I called the pastor of the church I was going to. And I was like, hey, I'll do this Bible study at my friend's house. And it was weird. They made the women go in the back and they kept us in the front. They like took control of his living room. I was like, I think that was whack. It was his house. And they're telling him he can't get baptized till he goes through, you know, some classes that they have. But he was getting ready to get baptized that week at Calvary Chapel, South Bay and blah, blah, blah. And he said, man, are they called the Church of Christ? I was like, yeah, you know them. You know them too. He's like, it's a cult. Tell them to go home. Tell them don't never come back. It's a cult. And I'll never forget that because God did that for me when I didn't know no word. It wasn't like I knew the word, I could chop it up. I was impressed with how well they knew the Bible. But the Holy Spirit was inside me saying, like, I was unrested. I was not, it just, this is not right. And so God will give you that. Um, But as we, you know, grow, we want to know the word. That'll keep us from this sort of error. So we want to be kept from error. But you also want to be very careful not to mislead people. So we want to be careful when we speak God's truth. Um, if you have a prophetic gift, some people do. Be careful how you make sure that what you have comes from God. If you're not sure, say that. You know, I've received times, I've received words that I know are from the Lord, and I spoke it with that authority. Like I believe God saying this. Boom. There have been other times where I'm like, I I feel like this might be from the Lord, not hundred percent sure, but I want to share it and may, let, maybe you can confirm it or deny it. You know, um, share it that way. You know, but. Be careful that we don't mislead. This woman was using a false prophetic gift to mislead God's people into certain sin, into things that were direct violations of what we already have written in the Word of God. They were committing sexual immorality and eating things um, that were sacrificed to idols, which believers were forbidden to do at that time. Now, here's a little something about what was happening in Thyatira, the area. Though they were small, they had a lot of uh, what's called, we call them, they call them guilds. It'd be like unions for work. They were known for their dyeing of, of purple. Um, this is where the woman Lydia in the book of Acts was known for uh, in, the, in the city of Thyatira. And they had all these working guilds. This is where the temptation could potentially have come. Some believe it came from. If you were a Christian in Thyatira and the working guilds there for all the different work that you could do to make money um, required that you participated in all of the idolatrous worship and practices, many of, which, in, in, in many of which had to do with sexual sin. A lot of the worship of the false gods included sexual acts and sexual sins. Well, if you didn't participate, then you wouldn't get work. You can't work here. You're going to be broke in Thyatira then. Well, the temptation would be to, to participate. And so some believe that this woman was selling. hey, you guys, it's okay. The Lord told me to tell you that you can go ahead and do that and participate in that. Just come back here and pay your indulgence or get forgiven for it. You'll be fine. And misleading people for financial reasons, These are some of what people think was taking place. Verse 21, it says, And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. This is interesting because if you note from the previous studies, God was speaking to the church, and he was telling the church, the way you get it right is to repent, right? I want you to note he's not speaking to the church yet. He's going to speak in a moment to the remnant of this church. But notice what he says, I gave her time, past tense. I, you don't get to repent now. I gave you a chance to repent and you didn't. This church that he's speaking to, they've missed the boat. They've missed their opportunity. They won't be right. They messed up. This woman, he says, I gave you time to repent and you didn't. Can I just hint, uh, give us something we learn about God here is that God gives, us, God gives us time to repent as well. Amen. God is patient with us. The Bible says part of the nature of God is that he's long-suffering and he's patient. If you're here and you're a believer and you're doing stuff you're not supposed to be doing, I know that God has been patient. God has given you time to repent. But if you don't repent, eventually God's going to smash you. He's going to spank you. He's going to deal with you if you're a believer. God gives us time. I'm thankful in my life that when I wasn't a believer, God gave me time to repent. I first heard the gospel with clarity to where I understood it when I was 16, and I made a conscious decision that I wasn't gonna follow the Lord at that time. And I went on and sinned um, for three more years. And three years later, because God is merciful, He gave me another chance. I'm so grateful that He gave me that time to repent. I'm glad I didn't die between 16 and 19 and go to hell. That God gave me time to repent. I would just say to us that are here today, if you're here today and you're listening and you're breathing and you need to repent, don't do it tomorrow, do it today. Don't wait for New Year's, do it now. If God says, look, I gave them time to repent, but they didn't. Here's what happens. If God gives you time to repent and you don't take it and you get good at resisting, good at telling God no, what happens to your heart if you keep resisting God? Your heart gets hardened. And eventually you'll just you, you, you lose feeling. Um, it says in Genesis 6-3 that God said his spirit will not always strive with men. Not, it's not gonna, you know, God's not going to continue forever and ever. You know there's a point where God will just let you have what you got? So if you resist God long enough, Romans 1 calls it a reprobate mind. There's a point at which God says, you know what? I'm going to let you keep what you got. That's a scary thought to me. That all that all the God's doing to draw people, woo them by his spirit, there's a point where God says, okay, you don't want me. You don't have to. You can keep what you got. None of us ever wants to get there. I don't want to get there. I mean, I'm a believer already, so that's a wrap. But even as a Christian, Christians get disobedient too. And Christians get dull of hearing, too. And we stop listening for a while, too. We don't want to do that. We want to, I want to, we want to maintain a sweet sensitivity to the Lord. And, and the way we keep that is that we obey and we listen. And God, when you convict me, I want to respond quickly. Um, because, you know, we're, we're growing in new areas all the time. And the Holy Spirit will convict you about what you need to be convicted about. And we want to yield to the Lord in whatever those things are when he shows us. But He says here, I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality And she did not repent. Now, 22, God says what he's going to do to her. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. And so um, he says he's going to cast her into a sickbed. Those that commit adultery with her, those who, you know, the Bible uses adultery in a couple of ways. This is the only time in the book of Revelation the word adultery is used. Um, Fornication is many times in this book. This is the only time adultery is used. And throughout Israel's history, throughout the Old Testament, God would many times use adultery to speak of his people's unfaithfulness to him. He would use the image of a marriage. He used that in the book of Hosea where he had the prophet Hosea marry a harlot who went out and cheated on him. And God said, that's how I love you guys. That I love you, I chose you, I picked you, I married you, and then you cheated on me, committed adultery, and then I came back and I bought you for myself. Here he says, those who commit adultery with her, um I'm going um they're going to go into the great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. Then notice verse 23. I will kill her children. Not his children, her children. God doesn't kill his kids. Amen. You saying like you mean God doesn't kill his children. Amen. But he will kill her children and he says he will kill her children with death. Now I don't know what else you can be killed with, but <laughs> he's going to kill her children with death. The Bible speaks of obviously everybody dies, but the Bible speaks of a second death, and we see it as we come to the end of the book of Revelation. The second death is what? Hell, lake of fire. You ain't coming back from that, guys. I will kill her children with death, and so those that are in the bed with her, those that are those that are cheating on me with her, those that are wrapped up in that system, um, they're gonna if they're alive, they'll go through the tribulation. Uh, they'll, they'll. God said they're gonna. Their kids are gonna end up in hell. They're, they're gonna end up in hell. So here's what I think is important here, and I'll just I'll speak quickly on you know Catholicism and some of the things that are that are broken with that system. Um, it's a corrupt system from the get go. How it started, where it came from. Um, it's it's managed today in a very corrupt way, and I think the appeal that many people have the Catholicism is. Um, it, it provides religious experience without anything relational, anything life transformative. So I know people that prefer Catholicism because, you know, I go to church, I go to mass, do my service, my sign on the cross, take my communion, and I go do my life. It doesn't require transformation, surrender, holiness, none of that. I do my religious thing. Um, and I think for some people, they'll, they believe that they're okay. I do that. But they're not Okay. It's they're deceived. I know people that have been in that for years. They don't have a relationship with God. They're not born again. They're not trusting Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. They're trusting in that system, that religious organization. And so maybe you have friends or family that are in it. And I think some Christians are kind of of passive about it. Like, oh, you know, I think they're pretty much Christians too. Not necessarily. Not if you think Mary's an intercessor. Mary's not an intercessor. She's a a person like you. Um, Not if you're praying to the saints. Not if you're praying to angels, not if you're praying to somebody else, not if you're hoping that your connection to God is through something other than Jesus Christ. That's not it. And so, you know, if we got friends that are wrapped up. It's a system of religion that people get wrapped up in, but many people are lost in it. And it's it's got, it's like on the fringe, it's got a, it's got a lot of, it's got some truth in it, you know, but not enough to save you, not enough to deliver you, not enough to bring about a transformed life. And so here, Um, you know, Jesus is dealing with this system. It's a false system. And I want to be aware of it, one, that I don't get wrapped up in it. And then when I talk to people that are, I'm going to ask questions because maybe they're not born again. You know, Uh, is it possible that someone in a Catholic church can be born again? Yeah. But there are lots of things there that can really mislead people and lead them astray. Um, if, if you can't be an idolater and enter the kingdom, uh, there's a lot of idolatry in it, um. And the statues and things. So many things that God just said don't do. Um, and so, you know, it, it gives a form of godliness, but no power. Uh, I know people that are, you know, devout Catholics that, you know, they'll I know, I mean, I know people that are gangbang and do all kind of stuff, and but they're Catholic. And if a if an ambulance goes by, they'll stop and, and do the sign of the cross. When they pass by a church to do the sign of the cross, they'll they'll do these little things, but they, I mean I'm looking at a life, there's nothing changed. You'll shoot somebody tonight? But but you see the cross, you do, you do that real quick. God didn't care. God don't care if you can do that. You know, um, he's, he's wanting to do something in our hearts that is far deeper than that. So um, moving on, he says again, he'll kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. So God says, look, I'm the one. Everybody's going to know we're set and done that I'm the one that searches the minds, and the hearts, Uh, and I'm going to give each one according to their works. As believers, I think it's a healthy thing regularly that we pray, God, search me. We heard the psalmist says that, Lord, search me and know my ways. None of us knows how wicked we really are, do we? And so we say, God, search me. Search me and show me if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Um, That's a a healthy way to pray. Lord. if If there's something wrong and I don't see it, show me. If there's a wicked way in me and I'm just unaware of it, then would you reveal it to me, show it to me so I can repent of it and change, so I can grow from it? Here, God says they're going to know that he's the one that searches the hearts and the minds and gives to each one according to their works. Now, again, if you're a Christian, you're a believer, um, our sins are dealt with. Um, This is not a threat to us. This is a threat to those that are separated and not walking. Now, verse 24 is he finally speaks to the church to the believers, the remnant of real believers in the midst of this system. Look at what he says in verse 24. Now to you I say, and not to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan as they say, I will put on you no other burden. So God says, look, I'm speaking to you guys that that are there but you're not a part of it. You guys that have not you guys don't believe this doctrine, you guys aren't wrapped up in it. He says, my word to you guys, I'm not putting any other burden on you. Just keep doing what you're doing. Um, and sometimes you have believers that are in areas, in scenarios, in situations where they're immersed in a culture that's not right. God says, just, just keep doing what you're doing. Just hold your ground. Just stay solid. No no other burden, no extra stuff for you to do. Just Just continue to hold your ground.
0: You've been listening to a transforming word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the Book of Revelation is available to listen to again on our website. Just visit CalvaryInglewood.org and click on Media, or you can download our mobile app to listen to more teachings. You'll find a link on our website. You can also search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in our app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we would love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest times and locations for services. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's word and be together as a family of God. Again, our website is CalvaryEnglewood.org. As we've looked into the book of Revelation, keep in mind that this book is not all doom and gloom. It ends the way the Bible began, in paradise. For those who love and follow Jesus, this book provides hope in God rescuing us from all that is broken and corrupt. So, keep looking for that in the midst of much heartache here on earth. If you felt the blessing of this ministry in your life, we'd love for you to partner with us in praying for those who hear a transforming word. As the message go out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. This ministry is a great opportunity to share the good news of Jesus and His salvation. We ask that you pray for ears to be opened, hearts to be softened, and for lives to be changed. That's all we have time for today. Join us again for another edition with Pastor Bill on a transforming word.